Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am Matt Straup. Before we get started, a quick reminder as always, if you can do so, take a minute to rate and review the show. Subscribe as well. If you like the show, tell a friend. All of that helps us out, helps people to find the show. Meanwhile, today we are going to be checking in on the most notable fantasy rookies, some rising, some falling. We're also going to be looking at some hot streaks, how much we buy into those, and we'll be reviewing an updated fantasy top 50 to do all of that, Tommy Beer is here with me. Tommy, let's start with our rookie report. We've done this a few times this year, and we'll start with number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton. There's been a lot of noise and you might say turbulence around Ayton lately. We even learned that he apparently doesn't eat uh, after practice sometimes, which I think we both agree he probably should. Uh, my point with Ayton, though, is, is does any of this talk matter? Has his value changed for you at all throughout all of this uh, this noise? Yeah, I think there's reason to be concerned about Dayton. You know, if you look at the numbers, kind of a breakdown. Over the first 20 games, um, he was averaging around 17 points and over 10 rebounds, shooting over 60% from the floor. And basically since then, since right around the, the start of December, you know, towards the end of the end of November, the start of December over the last seven or eight games or so, you know, he's kind of just kind of a top 100 guy, uh, averaging around 13 points, around seven rebounds, you know, kind of in that neighborhood, not shooting quite as high from the field as he was so, you know, I think there's there's reason, certainly reason to be concerned there. Um, I think if I had to guess going forward, I'd probably pencil him in for somewhere, you know, kind of cut the difference and, you know, maybe pencil him in from around 15 and 8, 15 and 9, something in that neighborhood, um, which should be good for around, uh, you know, top 75, top 80. Um, but I'm not quite as high on him as I was over the first, you know, month or so of the season. Interesting. Yeah, I- I can lean in the direction that you're leaning, but I could also take a more optimistic approach and say, all right, well, on Monday night, he had 20 and 12 with three blocks. That was a step in the right direction. His worst stretch of the season, you know, is about 11 points, eight rebounds over a five-game stretch. That's not bad at all for a rookie. But I do see what you're saying about, you know, a little dip in the value there. I suppose you could also make the argument, you know, maybe he's maybe this is just the rookie wall and then he's going to take off again from here. I think I know the answer to this next question based on what you said before, but is there a rookie you would put ahead of Aiton? I wouldn't. No, no. I think, um, you know, even though all things considered and and despite the fact that he's, you know, kind of come back down to earth a little bit, um, when you factor in the solid percentages, board, blocks, and, and his relative consistency. Yeah, the, I mean, the one thing with Aiden is a little bit going forward is the unpredictability of what's going to happen with Booker and um, do they trade Ariza and, you know, Warren and, and those guys. There's, you know, obviously some... Um, yeah, quite a bit, of, uh, quite a bit of uh, unpredictability when it comes to Phoenix and you know the the remainder of the season. But that being said, I, I do like Aiden above all of the rookies. All right, so that leads me to the other guys, you know, kind of right there at the top in terms of fantasy value with Aiden. Obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Luka Doncic. How do you rank those top three rookies? Uh, just quickly, what's your order of those three? I would take them: Aiden, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Doncic uh, in, in that order. Okay, well, that's interesting because I know you are a Doncic guy. You drafted him in a bunch of leagues. And I was starting to think to myself, we're at a point that we've possibly been at this point all along. But I'm really starting to hear and sense the kind of disconnect between the real-life hype around Doncic and his fantasy value. You know, everyone's talking about Doncic as a star, uh, rightfully so to some extent. But in terms of fantasy, as we're taping Tommy, he's 87th overall in nine-category leagues. Obviously, that is start-worthy in really any format but 
is it at a point where, you know, given the hype around him, that you should be thinking about trading him if you think the reward is good enough? Yeah, I think it's a great point, Matt. And, and I think you're right. I think we've certainly reached that um, kind of threshold where his, you know, the, the rookie of the year talk and, you know, in fantasy, you don't get extra points for clutch baskets, even though, you know, Lucas <laughs> hit a, don- a ton of them. Um, right. You don't get extra fantasy points for making other fan bases cry on a nightly basis, you know, with, right. with step back threes and really cool jumpers and, um, <laughs> you know, kind of that pizzazz and the flash that don't just kind of displays on a nightly basis. As you mentioned, I love the dude. There's so much to like about him, his confidence, his swagger, et cetera. But exactly, when you start to crunch the numbers and you look at the, you know, relatively disappointing field goal percentage, you know, he's not supplying, you know, copious amounts of steals or blocks or threes. Again, very consistent in all categories. As you mentioned, a top 90 guy. Um, very happy to have him kind of flesh out my roster. But you, you're right. You would think based on kind of the discussion and the talking points in and around the NBA, uh, non-fantasy circles, um, that he's one of the best rookies over the last 20 years, et cetera. Yes, so there's a bunch of guys that I'd much rather have on my on my fantasy roster than Doncic. So if you could parlay his kind of buzz and hype into a top 50 overall player, which I think is possible, if not probable, I think that'd be a wise maneuver from a fantasy perspective. One guy you and I were were talking about briefly online before this that I brought up was Lowry Markkinen. Through his first five games, he's 76th overall. I personally have his ceiling much higher than that. So in my mind, if you can trade Markkinen for Doncic, for example, I would do that. Yeah, I would do that in a second if I'm getting Markkinen. Definitely. Um, You know, guys like Otto Porter I'd rather have than Doncic. Um, you know, some other guys that just, you know, kind of seem to be disappointing and not living up to the hype and et cetera. Um, but when you crack, when you, when you, you know, when you look at the numbers and, you know, factor in all nine categories, um, there's, there's a lot of guys that, um, surprisingly have a higher ranking than Dodgers. And I assume they will continue to do so for the rest of the season. And again, to be clear, I think we made this clear, but we like Dodgers yes. as a player. We like him as a fantasy player. But, uh, so this is not slamming him in any way. This is being ruthless when it comes to trying to win your fantasy league. Exactly. Totally agree. You know, again, don't, don't, you don't want to dump him. You don't want to, you know, just get rid of him to get him off your roster. No, you definitely, as you mentioned, definitely starter worthy, top 85, 90 guy with room to grow. I assume he'll be top 50 next season. You know, have him ranked somewhere around there. Um, but again, yes, if you want to be ruthless and take advantage of somebody else who might be more emotionally invested in the guy than you, um, now might be the time to make that move. All right, uh, fin- rounding out that top three, that clear top three that we were talking about, Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously has, after a pretty phenomenal stretch for a 19-year-old, has hit a, a rough patch. So it sort of sets up what seems to me to be a pretty obvious buy-low opportunity. In your mind, is there any reason not to try to do that? Uh, I guess it depends on what buy-low, you know, what you'd consider a buy-low. I think... I'm a little bit hesitant to, to invest fully in, in Jaron Jackson Jr. You mentioned kind of the rough patch. I don't think he'll play as poorly as he has over the last five games or so. But if I was going to play devil's advocate and, and look for a reason not to try and buy low, I think the inclusion of Joakim Noah into the mix kind of muddies the water a little bit for, for Jaron Jackson Jr. You mentioned he's only 19 years old. He's the youngest player in the NBA. The Grizzlies are firmly in the midst of a, a solid season and you, uh, you know, right near the top of the Western Conference standings, believe it or not. Um, and so you would assume they'd be in the postseason race for the majority of the season. That means they'll probably rely on the veterans, you know, as opposed to some other teams, the Hawks, et cetera, 
um, the Bulls, uh, the Suns that will, you know, play their youth uh, at all costs and, 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 you know, kind of wink, wink, tank their way to higher lottery balls. Um, the Grizzlies have no such motivations. So for that reason, I could see them kind of limiting uh, a 19 year old inexperienced kids, you know, minutes going forward. And in the four games, uh, you know, over the last four games, which include the four games since Noah entered the lineup, since they signed Joakim Noah, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is averaging around 20 minutes per game, where, it was, where uh, in contrast, he was over 25 minutes a game for the first 20 games of the season. Um, so I think that could, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple weeks or so, and then obviously projecting it forward over the next few months or so, is he closer to 25 minutes or 20 minutes, um, as that would have a, a significant impact on his fantasy value. Uh, you raise a really good point there with Noah. I mean, Noah has played 17 minutes, an average of 17 in his first four games of the Grizzlies. That's obviously not enough for Noah to have value. But yeah, the dent that it's put into Jaron Jackson's value is is noticeable. So yeah, as ridiculous as it might sound, Joakim Noah uh, <laughs> is a fantasy factor, just not the way we hoped. Yes. Meanwhile, another 19-year-old who has hit uh, a little bit of a slump as well, Wendell Carter Jr. Obviously, he got off to a phenomenal start, was was hinting at a very high fantasy ceiling in the future if you're in a dynasty league, keeper league, etc. However, his last 15 games, he's around 10 points, six and a half boards, and a block. Is he a buy low for you, or should we expect more of this from Carter Jr. going forward? Yeah, I'm not overly enthusiastic about Carter Jr. Now that the Bulls kind of have their full complement of players, well, that's assuming that uh, Coach Boylan doesn't practice them 23 no. hours a day, <laughs> <laughs> run them into the ground. Yeah. But I, I suppose that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> as far as Carter Jr., I'm not, uh, again, I'm, I'm not overly optimistic about his prospects going forward. You have uh, obviously marketing back in the mix, Chris Dunn and, and Portis as well. So it kind of complicates. There's a lot of mouths to feed out there in Chicago. So I think it would be unrealistic to assume that he can kind of match his production over the first month of the season. Uh, so for that reason, I'm a little bit down on uh, on him going forward. Yeah, I agree. For for this season, at least, yeah. uh, the prospects have definitely lowered. But he did, again, I, I don't just put that run that he went on aside completely. I, I'll, I'll be thinking of that certainly next year as we go into drafts because uh, he showed a lot of potential. Definitely. And and even later in this year, you know, we, we saw the Bulls completely shut down Robin Lopez the second half of last season. Um, they sent Justin Holliday to the bench after a strong first half in 2017-2018. Um, so, for you know, over the last month or so, um, you can see that the Bulls kind of focus on, on Carter Jr. and the young guys again, assuming they're, you know, 15, 20 games out of the eighth, eighth seed. And um, obviously in rebuild mode, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of allot their playing time. And by the way, you mentioned Coach Boylan being another conversation for another time. I think that conversation on a future edition of the podcast is most perplexing fantasy coaches and rotations because there are some wild ones. Yes. Good, good point. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of which, actually, the Atlanta Hawks have one of those rotations. And given my fandom, we are contractually obligated to talk about Trey Young. His first 13 games, he shot 42.6 from the field. I think that surpassed a lot of people's expectations. The last 13 games, he has crashed down to 31.3%. I mean, on some level, I think the answer is obvious. You just got to bench him. But what do you do with Trey Young long term if you draft him in a nine-category league and you know, you're trying to figure out how to handle this? Sell, 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 <laughs> sell, sell. Oh, yeah. And sell. Also sell. Um, I, yeah, kind of, you know, kind of the worst, what we feared coming into the season has, has reared its ugly head, terrible field goal percentage, tons of turnovers, um, not supplying as many points and assists as we might've hoped, even though they're solid. 
But yeah, as, as you mentioned, in, in a non-cat league, he's outside the top 200, what makes him basically unplayable. Even in a 12-team or 14-team league, I, I'd, you know, I'd be worried about him kind of really sinking a couple categories. So I would definitely try to move him, you know, wait till he has a 25-point tennis game, because that game will come. It's, he's talented enough. Um, you know, he's obviously in a shooting slump right now. His teams are kind of forcing him off his spots. Um, he's a young kid trying to figure out his way in the league. Um, still has a bright future, but in, in terms of fantasy, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of intoxicated with the possibility of a, you know, Steph Curry, uh, poor man Steph Curry or Steph Curry 2.0. If and when, you know, Trey Young ever does develop into that, it's certainly not going to be this season. So I would have uh, no hesitation to move on, try to get whatever you could from him. Um, I, I assume his name value is worth a little more than his actual, you know, ranking value right now. Um, but yeah, I try to move Trey Young ASAP. All right. You mentioned him being outside the top 200. Marvin Bagley for the season is close to the top 200, around 180th as we're taping. He's been better his last 10 games, though, around 120th overall. What do you think should be the expectation going forward for Bagley? Do you think it's closer to the top 200 or closer to that 120 mark we've seen lately? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, around the 125 mark, you know, you know, between 125 and 140, something somewhere in those range the rest of the season. I think he has a pretty decent upside. He's a talented, obviously, offensive player, struggles defensively. Um, but in fantasy, I, I'd like to shoot him, see him shoot a couple more threes. Um, and I, I think kind of one interesting thing going forward is we talked a lot about Doncic earlier in the, in the pod. I think the Kings will face a little bit of pressure both internally and externally from their fan base to try to justify that Bagley pick, you know, was kind of the, the Doncic rookie of the year train kind of, uh, you know, picks up steam. Uh, I, I think the Kings will, will be a little bit motivated to try to show, hey, the guy we picked over Doncic is still talented and can still, you know, put up 20 and 10 double doubles here and there. Um, so I do like Bagley. There's obviously um, a little bit of congestion there in the front court for Sacramento, but, uh, you know, he has some upside. He, I don't think he's reached his kind of uh, his peak yet. Um, so I think there's a little bit of meat left on the bone going forward. So I'm kind of uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. Potentially a good buy, the way you're talking about him. Um, I think so. Assuming you get him really cheap. I mean, again, I wouldn't overspend, but I think there's, a again, a little bit of an upside there. All right. One more rookie to hit on our rookie report here, and we are going way, way deeper. Back to Atlanta. Kevin Herter starting for the Hawks these days. The last five games, uh, I would liken him to a poor man's Brent Berry if you want an old school Ooh, reference. I like that. Eight, I like that. Eight, little bones, huh? <laughs> 8.6 points. 4.2 rebounds, 4.0 assists, 1.0 steals, 0.6 blocks, 1.83s. He is 2% owned in Yahoo leagues. I know those numbers aren't anything wild, but if you think about that same principle that we talked about where a rookie can maybe hit another level later in the season, at what point do we stop sleeping on Kevin Herter and pick him up in fantasy leagues? Yeah, I actually really like Herter um, coming into the draft out of Maryland. I thought he just, his game projected very well to the NBA just in terms of long, lean wing that can not shoot the three his, his stroke is you beautiful you know can shoot from three or four feet behind the line um he obviously needs to improve a little bit on the defensive end needs to you know needs to get a little stronger a little bigger uh, i think that'll come with time but again the hawks are one of those teams unlike the the grizzlies and unlike the kings who are surprisingly in a playoff hunt as well the hawks are have made no bones about them being in a complete rebuild mode um, no bones. I see what you did there. There you go. You like that? Um, <laughs> you know, over the second half of the season, realistically, what sense does it make to play Vince Carter at all? You know, let alone more than, than a couple minutes a game. 
you know, Baysmore, I could see them kind of scaling back his minutes. They, they know exactly what they have in Baysmore. The rest of the league knows what Baysmore is all about. I'm sure they'd, they'd be happy to trade Baysmore if another team was willing to give him, um, some cap relief and or, you know, a draft pick, something along those lines. Um, so I think, you know, the John Collins, the Herders, the Trey Youngs, those are obviously the future. Omari Spellman, et cetera. Um, those are the guys that they're going to build around going forward. So I think they'd like to throw Herder into the deep end of the pool, see if he can sink or swim. Um, so yes, obviously you mentioned only 2% owned, but in deeper leagues and dynasty leagues, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And um, I, I kind of have high hopes for going forward, to be honest. I agree. And by the way, those assists are quietly a big deal to me because we, you know, as I've said before on the podcast, there's so many points threes guys out there who really don't do a lot. You know, Etwan Moore comes to mind. It's just yeah. a guy who, who gets points and threes and not a lot else. If you have a guy who can add in four assists, some rebounds, etc. I mean, it's not like Herter had one good assist game. He had four assists exactly i believe five games in a row so that's a very promising aspect of his game in my mind definitely yeah i didn't realize his, his, his assist numbers were that high so that is impressive all right if you are looking for some additional fantasy hoops in your life take a trip over to draft.com we are talking daily fantasy basketball snake drafts instead of salary caps these things take just a few minutes to finish you can even do auction drafts there right now draft is giving roto world readers a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit go to draft.com use the promo code rw again Head over to draft.com. Use the promo code RW. All right, Tommy, part two of the show today. We're going to rip through some hot streaks, some some players, a lot of whom I think are or were on waivers recently. I'm going to rattle off the recent numbers. You tell me if you are buying them. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Jalen Brown, 21 points, 23 points, and 19 points his last three games, averaging 21 points, five boards, 2.7 assists, 2.3 trays during this mini hot streak. Before that, obviously, his percentages were pretty unsightly. Are you buying this? I'm not. I'm selling Jalen Brown. Um, you mentioned, obviously, he's played well of late, but um, as you also note, over the first you know month and a half of the season, his field goal percentage was disgusting. Um, had, had, had difficulty <laughs> knocking down the free throws as well, which has kind of been an issue for him throughout his career. Um, the Celtics, you know, by their very nature, are a little bit unpredictable on a night-in, night-out basis. Um, Brown's kind of, you know, benefited from, you know, Horford being sidelined. Gordon Haywood was out Monday. Uh, Kyrie was out Monday as well. So, you know, going forward, you know, he'll have some of these good games. He'll have a stretch of these good games. But over the course of the season, there are definitely other players that I'm a little more confident. While they may not have the same ceiling as he does, I think they have a higher floor, you know, more consistency. All right. Darren Collison, he was abysmal early in the season he had 17 assists monday giving him averages over the last five games around 12 points nine assists 1.8 steals 1.6 threes obviously old depot being out helps any way that collison has established enough momentum to you know keep it going even after old depot's back yeah, I'm buying Collison. Um, I was a little bit, I was higher on him earlier in the season when a lot of people were dumping. Listen, he, you know, he played over his head a little bit last season, you know, led the league in three point shooting percentage wise, set a career high in field goal percentage. But the, the reality is he was a top 75 guy last season and that was with Oladipo in the lineup. So even when Depot comes back, his assist number should stay, um, relatively solid. Uh, his scoring will come down a tick or two. But yeah, I like Collison. I like his floor. Starting point guard on a quality team. Doesn't hurt you in any categories. You know, relatively solid in terms of his assist to turnover ratio. His percentages are good. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy, very happy to have Collison at the, you know, kind of, uh, you know, one of my lower tier starters. Flesh out my roster with those type of dudes. You can win a lot of fantasy leagues that way. A couple guys I want to hit in Miami. First of all, what has gotten into Justice Winslow? 
I suppose I could just stop there, but I'll continue. <laughs> 20.8 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4.8 dimes, 1.0 steals, 0.8 blocks, and 3.3 trays his last four games. Even if you don't buy that level of production, do you have to add Winslow to see how long this can last? I think you do. I was actually looking at some numbers. I'm writing a little bit about Justice Winslow on a column that will be published on the site today. Over his first 183 NBA games, so that's from his professional debut on October 28th, 2015, through last Thursday, which was December 6th, Winslow had scored 20 points twice. Beginning last Friday, he scored 20 points three times in over four, in, in a four-day span. So, uh, yes, uh, suffice it to say, it's, it's certainly not what we expected. Um, he's always been decent, you know, kind of on the periphery guy in terms of, you know, decent amount of rebounds and assists. Um, and, and probably less steals and blocks than we would like. Um, but certainly, you know, kind of what's taken it to the next level of late is those threes and, and scoring. Do I think it'll continue anywhere near that capacity? Probably not. Almost certainly not. You know, especially when you get, you know, a healthy Goran Dragic back into the mix and if and when Deion Waiters returns, um, and Wayne, Wayne Ellington with him back in the lineup as well. But all that being said, I think you have to, you know, during this span, Winslow is 23rd overall in nine category leagues. He's ahead of Harden, ahead of Kyrie Irving. So even if he goes back to around the 100, you know, a top 100 guy, um, I think he's proven now that he can get a little bit of a longer leash, increased minutes. You assume that the rebound and the assist rate um, will stay about the same. Hopefully he can get, you know, tack on a few more steals and blocks. Um, he's hit a, at least one three-pointer in 12 games in a row prior to this current stretch, as long as such streak was five games. Um, so, yes, if, if you can't tell, I'm very intrigued by Winslow. Um, he's a guy that kind of entered the league with very high expectations. A lot of people were stunned when he slipped to the heat at nine. It looks like it's uh, taken a while, but justice may be served in South Beach. <laughs> nice. By the way, taken a while, and he is still 22 years old. Yes, so true, it true. It feels like this dude should be about 29, but yeah. he's not. So. You know, these things can take a minute. True. We're staying in South Beach for a second. Kelly Olinick is on a, a patented Olinick heater right now. His last six games, 14.2 points, six and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 1.2 steals, 0.7 blocks, 2.2 trays. Do you buy? Uh, I'm going to pass on pass. Olenek. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hard sell. Um, again, he's, you know, there's intrigue there because he's a big man that can, you know, rebound and shoot the three and, you know, he's decent amount of steals and blocks, but that situation in Miami is a little bit too unpredictable. Um, assuming once Whiteside comes back and also Bam has played really well, um, in Whiteside's absence. So I'm not uh, overly enthusiastic, even if Whiteside's out for an extended period, um, with the, you know, I, I understand he's out, you know, due to, uh, the birth of his first child, but obviously there's some tension there between coach Spall and he and the, and Riley and the rest of the staff. So if Whiteside were to be moved or benched or suspended some along those lines, I think Olenek's a, a solid short-term ad. But um, if we're looking at the rest of the season, I'm, I'm a sell. I'm not, I'm not buying the hype. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a chance, you know, while he's this hot, I started him in, in one league this week, and I think he's got a chance for a good week. But I hear you. You know, a month from now, he, it's certainly less likely that he's actually doing anything close to this. Right. Mike Muscala. Double digits in four of his last six for the Sixers, 10.7 points, 6.7 rebounds, 1.2 blocks, 2.23 is for him. Do you buy it? Eh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sell. I'm not a hard sell. Um, but I'm, but I'm also not enthusiastically buying shares of Moose either. 
just a little bit of an unpredictability. He's, he's a guy that's going to have some ups and downs. I don't think he has that long of a leash in terms of playing time. I don't see any reason for it to spike. I think there's other guys that uh, would intrigue me if I'm playing in a standard league and, uh, you know, some other guys are floating around the wire. So um, I'll pass on Muscala. I agree. I was tr- really trying to drum up some excitement there as I, as I <laughs> mentioned it to you with the do you buy it, but it, it didn't take. And I, I respect you for not buying in. Uh, but again, a, a good deep, deeper league pickup. Tim Frazier did it again on Monday. Eight points, 10 assists, a couple of threes. He's at 8.6 points, 3.9 boards, 8.1 assists, a steal, and 1.43s in his last eight games. Is this sustainable until Alfred Payton comes back? I think so. Uh, Frazier's proven that, you know, he's playing in a, in a high-tempo offense surrounded by terrific offensive players. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis, Etuan Moore, Drew Holiday, uh, Randall. So there's just a lot to like there in terms of, you know, any starting point guard. You know, Frazier guy that's always been uh, near the top of the league in assist to turnover ratio, so he's not going to hurt you there. Decent percentages. If you can knock down those, continue to knock down those couple threes. Again, the, the key, obviously, there, um, the caveat is until uh, Elf Payton returns. Um, but until he does, I, I think there's every reason to believe that Frazier can be a consistent nightly basis, you know, kind of a short-term ad there. Another point guard making the most of his increased opportunity, Monte Morris. His last six games, 13.2 points, three boards, 3.3 assists, a steal, and 1.83s, shooting well from the field. Are you buying this? I do. I, I like Morris. The Nuggets definitely have shown, a inc- even before Gary Harris went down, uh, they showed that they had a lot of faith in the kid. Uh, Mike Malone, obviously, he's a, kind of a favorite of Malone's out there. And he's played well, and, and he's only playing better as time has gone on. Harris, it sounds like, is going to miss uh, per Woj, uh, you know, three or four weeks. Um, and I think even after he comes back, uh, I think Morris has kind of carved out a spot in the rotation, but especially for the next month or so, I think he's an excellent short-term ad. Uh, Jamal Murray's dealing with a little bit of a shin issue. Uh, it sounds like Isaiah Thomas is still a ways away. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Morris. I'm uh, very happily scoop him up in, in a bunch of leagues. I started him in, in one of my leagues this week, and um, I'm happy with his production, obviously, on Monday and excited to see what he brings going forward. All right, let's assume you're in a league that's shallow enough where a bunch of these guys are floating around on waivers. Maybe not Darren Collison, but who's your top two or top three out of this group? And I think I have a guess who one of them is. Yeah, I mean, obviously Collison would be my one. Winslow would be another guy that I would add. Jalen Brown, even though I don't like him, I think, he, you know, of these guys listed, and, and I guess Morris would be my third. You know, or for a short-term, Frazier. I think you, could, you couldn't go wrong with either one of those two guys. Uh, Frazier versus Morris, who do you like better? That's a tough one. I would go with Morris because I think they'll be similar over the next few weeks or so, and I think Morris is better long-term value. And you like Morris better than Jalen Brown? Uh, yes. Yes, I, th- I think um, they're close. Um, I think Jalen Brown will have better games here and there, but if I had to choose one, I think Morris has a little bit of a higher floor. Uh, I'd probably lean towards Morris, yes. Okay, I'm going to test, the, test your, your affinity for Monte Morris. Monte Morris versus Justice Winslow. I'd go with Winslow. Okay, so there you have that. We move on now to the third and final portion of the show today. I wrote a updated top 50 on Roundball Stew last week, so I thought we would take a minute to review some of these names and where I put them and uh, whether they were good or horrible ideas. We'll start with the top 10. I mean, not a ton here to really uh, nitpick, I don't think. I had Steph Curry third behind James Harden. I Kind of the minute I wrote that, I started thinking, would I really take Harden over Curry in a draft today? I don't think I really would. Do you? I mean, is Curry your kind of clear-cut number two going forward? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make an argument for 
for I think you could even make an argument for Towns or KD, but I would take obviously Harden. I would take Curry too, though. To be honest, the one out of the top ten, the the biggest surprise for me was that you had Giannis at ten. Um, too I, high. No, no, no. I'd have him. I'd take him ahead of Vucevic and okay. and probably even Dame Lillard. So I would have him closer to eight, maybe than ten. So I guess it's not okay. a big surprise, but. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously he hasn't made many threes and, you know, he's outside the top 10 right now. But I think over this, you know, going forward, I think he can jump up a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I had him that low because of the free throws, yeah. low threes and turnovers. But again, I mean, he's still pretty awesome. It's just, uh, you know, someone had to go in the 10 spot. True. Uh, what about what about Paul George? I have him sixth. Man, I'm so high on Paul George right now. I didn't really get him in any of my leagues. I'm pretty bummed about that. He's just been ridiculous. Me too. I wish I had more Paul George. Unfortunately, I don't. Um, his defensive stats are, are ridiculous. Obviously, leads the league in steals. But um, not only that, you know, it doesn't count in fantasy. But you know, I think he's second in deflections. He leads the league in, in loose balls recovered. You know, just kind of those peripheral advanced NBA metrics. He's having a fantastic season and just kind of – there's a reason that the Thunder have played so well, you know, have one of the league's best record after their own four start, um, and it's because of their defensive efforts. They're, they lead the league in defensive efficiency, and, and Paul George is kind of the spearheading that attack. All right, let's move into the 11 through 20 range. I had Clint Capella 17th overall. Do you agree with him being that high? I think it's a little bit high for my taste. I'd probably have him closer to 20. You know, for instance, I take Drew Holiday. You have him ranked after – um, but I don't think it's certainly, I don't think it's a reach by any stretch. I, I, I'd have him right in that neighborhood. And the guy who landed 20th as of last week was Victor Oladipo. Obviously it's starting to sound like he's getting closer to a return from this mysterious sore knee. Uh, where would, where would Oladipo land for you right now? Just if people are kind of trying to evaluate him in trades, et cetera. Sure. I think you have him in the right neighborhood. I'd probably be a little bit lower on him, maybe a little bit closer to 25 than 20, but but certainly not past. You know, I wouldn't drop him further than 25. It's just at this stage of the game, um, I guess it's kind of your appetite for, you know, whether you're risk averse or not. Uh, that, that need worries me, even when he does come back, is it something that's going to, you know, prevent him, you know, from taking, from sitting out, you know, back to backs in February and, and March as kind of the Pacers make a push towards the playoff and, you know, maybe secure cure home court advantage, something along those lines. Ideally, obviously, they're going to want to keep him fresh for the postseason. Um, so I'd be a little bit worried about his prospects, you know, primarily because of that injury issue. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time to be out with a sore knee. Yeah. I have my I could make up some conspiracy theories about like, did he have like a minor procedure or something? But I don't, maybe we, we don't need to do that here today. Did, 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 he, did he land on the moon? What do you? What do you <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, I mean like, did he have like a knee procedure or something? No, like no, that? I know, I know. I just was <laughs> yeah, poking yeah. fun I'm at Steph you. Curry's silliness. <laughs> uh, Chris Paul landed twenty seventh on my list, and he was a polarizing pick for me because I. I could really see ranking him either direction. He's either, in my mind, you know, a hot streak away from surging toward the top 10, where he's been so many years in recent years, or he's a headache who is just going to get another hamstring injury and you got to get him off your roster. Where do you land on Chris Paul? If I had to choose one or the other, I would lean towards the, the really hot streak, you know, really the ability to push your fantasy team towards the top of the leaderboard. Obviously, he's always a, a soft tissue injury away from being out a month. Um, so when you factor that in, I, I think the ranking at 27 is certainly reasonable and fair. But I'm, I'm a, a Chris Paul fan. He's been good to me in fantasy in years past, even with the injuries included. 
Um, so I'm a little bit higher on him than most. And I think he's a guy that, that I think will have a strong second half as the Rockets. And the other thing is the Rockets kind of need him to play well. Remarkably, un- almost unbelievably, they may need to make a run to qualify for the playoffs. Um, so, you you know, he's not going to be resting, you don't think, too often um, in the second half of the season. Yeah, that bodes well for him, no question. Uh, one spot after him, I had Nikola Mirotic, who kind of in the midst of me writing my column last week became a bit of a headache between the illness and the ankle issue. Would you consider him a buy low at this point? I wouldn't. I would steer clear of Miritich. Um, it sounds like that ankle's bothering him a little bit more. You know, and, and Gentry just had some comments earlier in the week about, you know, resting him, make sure he gets close to 100%. Again, and the Pelicans have so much firepower up front. Obviously, Randall playing extremely well of late that they can afford to give him as much time as he needs to kind of get back in the mix. Um, so I, I would steer clear of Miritich right now. Anyone else in that 21 to 30 range that stood out to you or surprised you? Um, yeah, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. at 30s, um, a bit of an aggressive ranking again for the reasons we talked about with Noah back in the mix being 19 years old, potentially hitting that rookie wall. Um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But, um, you know, as of right now, I, I'd probably steer clear. Yeah, you know, it's funny that these obviously can be pretty nebulous. Um, so, yeah, if I were redoing it today, even even less than a week later, I would move Jaron Jackson Jr. down, but that's just what happens. It does. It happens to the best uh, of us. <laughs> the 31 to 40 range, I, I put Lowry Markin in 35th. I don't even think that's that aggressive, but you may disagree. Where do you land on Markin in? I do. I think that's a bit aggressive. I'd probably have him closer to 50, to be honest. I think he was 65, 60, you know, in, in that area um, last season. So I think um, it's kind of reasonable to assume that he kind of would be in that, that neck of the woods as well when he's all healthy, you know, with a little bit of an upgrade, obviously put on some muscle and um, the Bulls uh, are, are going to, you know, I think he'd be a little bit more of a focal point of the offense this season going forward. And plus just the unpredictability and the, and the, the there's the chaos kind of that surrounding Chicago scares me in terms of investing too, too richly in any of those players right now, because it's difficult to predict how that situation is going to play itself out. That's honestly my only concern with Markinen is the the crowdedness of the rotation because the dude is a beast, just hitting threes, attacking the basket. He he just looks like a flat out monster to me. And during his best stretch last year, he was close to thirtieth overall. But yeah, I, the rotation this year is a little worrisome. He Boylan has sat him for some long stretches, and uh, that has to worry you a tiny bit. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. I'm gonna keep him in the in the thirty to forty range, and. Uh, the final stretch I want to hit here is 41 to 50. I had Donovan Mitchell 41st, uh, mainly based on the fact that his numbers this year have been really close to what they were last year. Do you see him as a top 40 to 50 guy uh, this year? Do you think he you know, can surge higher than that into the area where people drafted him? Yeah, I actually ranked Mitchell, I think I had him 40th overall in my preseason rankings, and I caught a lot of heat for it. A lot of people said I was an idiot, etc. I'm sure you've never experienced anybody on the internet being anything other than kind. And, and no, 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 yeah, to you. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, believe it or not, uh, some people actually had some negative things to say. But um, yeah, just, you know, when he, he's one of those guys, kind of like Doncic in a way, kind of similar in respect. Um, you know, kind of the hype outpaced his actual fantasy production. Um, if you look at the field goal percentage, the turnovers, there's just uh, there's there's reasons to be concerned there, despite that he's a fantastic basketball player. Um, one of those guys that's a bit uh, that's a bit better in reality than fantasy. Um, so I think you have him pegged right about right. I I, th- I thought that he would land in the forty to fifty range of season, and I I'm pretty sure that he'll. That's kind of where he's been this season. I assume that's where he'll end up uh, going forward. Justin Holiday was thirtieth overall in nine category leagues when I wrote this. I I put him forty seventh in my top fifty, and now I'm starting to get worried that that's even too high. Just 
given what's happening in Chicago, what do you think about Holiday going forward? Are you concerned that he's really about to fall off? Absolutely. Yeah, I would. If I were to rank him, I'd probably have him outside the top seventy-five. To be honest, I think if you look at his numbers last season, over the first half of the year, he was averaging around seventeen four and three. Towards the second half of the season, um, as the Bulls, uh, after the All Star break, when the Bulls kind of folded up tent and you know focused on lottery balls instead of wins, um, he saw his playing time reduced dramatically. Was benched on numerous occasions, um, and you know averaged around twelve and three. So, you know, some somewhere along those lines. I forget what the exact numbers are. But yeah, I think we're kind of headed towards a similar situation over the second half of the season. Um, again, with uh, Markinen and Portis and WCJ and Dunn kind of as their foundational core, those are the guys that are going to focus on Holiday being a, um, a pending unrestricted free agent. I think they'd love to trade him if they could. I think they'll reduce his minutes, maybe bump him to the bench. Um, obviously, with Levine there as well, I didn't mention him, is, is obviously a, a key guy for their future as well. I just don't know. That there's a lot of young mouths to feed right around there. Um, so I think they're going to focus on their other pups. And, um, you know, Holiday could certainly be on the short end of the stick as a result. Yeah, he's, he's a guy to see what you can get for him in a trade if he can string together another good game or two as the rotation gets more crowded. Any other names there toward the end, Tommy, that you wanted to call out? I thought Brogdon at 50 was interesting. I, I'm high on him as well. Um, we might be in the minority there, um, but he's one of the more underrated players, not only in reality. I'm actually fascinated to see kind of what happens with him as a restricted free agent this summer. I know a lot of teams would, would be interested or they should be interested. But yeah, he's been phenomenal over the last um, you know two weeks or so, last six or seven games, shooting 55% from the field, shooting over 50% from, from downtown, um, consistently making big baskets for Milwaukee. Obviously, there's there's no doubting that uh, Giannis is the MVP of that team, but Brogdon's an incredibly valuable player, and and from a fantasy perspective, just a super valuable you know kind of roster filler guy that was drafted outside the top 100. His ADP was um, uh, you know 115 or something in that neck of the woods, and for him to outpace his fantasy production, I thought he'd you know be closer to 100. Um, so for him to be you know yeah, close to the top 50, I think speaks to just how valuable he is. But all that being said, I still think he's a buy low. Uh, people just are hesitant to, to believe that he can be this, that he is this good. So I think you could still, you know, if you can, you know, kind of finagle, um, kind of wrapping it up and circling back to something we talked about from the top. I would argue, I think I, you could make a, a case that in a lot of leagues, the guy that owns Doncic, um, or rather that owns Brogdon would be happy to trade him for Doncic. And that would be a trade that would benefit your fantasy team, even though you know, the casual fan would, would think that'd be a crazy trade. Again, if you just crunch the numbers and take emotions out of it and, and kind of buzz and flash and all the other stuff and just look at the actual stats, um, you kind of get a different perspective on the league. Yeah, and especially in nine-category leagues, that's yes. the case. Brogdon with about half the turnovers of Doncic. Brogdon also, by the way, speaking to trying to trade for him, his season numbers, 15.5 points, in particular, don't really reflect how good he's been lately. He's been notably better than that lately. So that's why he landed at 50-ish for me, and I'm glad you agree, Tommy. 51 through 150 will be coming out on Friday of this week. No, I am not allowed to move Justin Holiday down into that range. <laughs> I have to I have to keep him at 47. The top 50 is staying the same, and I'm moving forward from there. Tommy, you said your column with Justice Winslow and others will be out on Wednesday on Roto World. Yes, sir. Uh, should be All out right. uh, Wednesday around noon. Um, okay. just, you know, you know, as as always, taking a little bit of a look around the league, see who's playing well, see who's playing poorly, and um, trying to look ahead, look forward, all that good stuff. 
All right, and as always, keep it tuned to the Roto World Player News page for all your fantasy updates, injury updates, lineup changes, etc. Tommy, thanks for doing this, man. It was a pleasure. My pleasure, sir. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right, man.